Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful day and for this place that you've given us to come and worship together. This small body of believers. This essential part of your body, though. Small as we may be. Thank you for raising us up, discipling us in your truth, your word, your faith, and your love. That we might be effective to help to offer your healing, empowerment, love, and prosperity to all those who need you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we want to say Happy Mother's Day to mothers everywhere, indeed, really, women everywhere. This is a day to celebrate Mothers, and uh, I'm sure it brings to mind lots of memories for everyone. One of the things I remember most when my grandmother passed was my my six foot five John Wayne uncle sitting outside on a bench of the funeral home afterwards, and he was crying, and I'd never seen that before. And he told me, son, take care of your mom. She's the only one you're going to get. Abraham Lincoln said, all that I am or ever hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. I never really understood the relationship between a, I know between a mother and a son, there's nothing like mama. Never really understood the relationship between a mother and a daughter. (laughs) It's uh, it's something that I'll have to get the Lord to explain to me someday. <laughs> me too. <laughs> <laughs> it's this sort of love hate thing. It's, there's really no hate, but it just seems like it looks Jealousy. like it sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> they, they will they will tear into their mama when every and they need a release, and then but nobody else better. I tell you that. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> you know. <laughs> And then they become mamas, and they see. I want to look in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying... You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And the Lord God said, It's not good that man should be alone. I heard a guy say once he must have seen him running with, God must have seen him running with scissors or something. (laughs) So I'll make a, helper suitable for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called them, every living creature, that was its name. Man gave gave names to all the livestock, all the birds, all the heavens, and every beast of the field. But But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh, 
And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. I think it's interesting that God made every creature, including the man, out of dirt. But the woman, he took from the side, not not the back, not the front, but the side of man. And he gave her to the man. So man gave life to woman. Woman gave life to the entire world. So we celebrate women today. Eve was the mother of all creation. God said, it's the only time that God had created things for seven days, you know, and everything he said, he made, he said it was good. Notice that? Everything he made, he said, that's good. That's good. Then he saw man alone. He said, that's not good. It's the only thing he said wasn't good. So he fixed it, you know. Thank God. (laughs) Someone similar enough to have fellowship and relationship with him, but different enough to have intimacy with him, you see. Perfect. So thus began the history of mankind and the problems that came with it. Because we know that sin entered in and therefore corruption entered into that seed of man and into the spirit of man. They died that day. They lived for hundreds of years physically, but they died spiritually that day. And God went about spending a few thousand years to uh, make a way back for us. Thankfully, look in Genesis 3, and we'll just finish that thought really quickly. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree of the garden? You see how he already twisted it? Put some of God's words, but he he just twisted a little bit. A little bit of leaven, you see? Spoils the whole lot. But she caught him on that one. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, who was with her, and he ate. And he's the one that God told, remember? Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, where they used to always have fellowship with him. And the man and his wife hid themselves from God. 
the presence of the Lord and among the trees in the garden. But the, the Lord God called to the man and said, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? God didn't ask because he didn't know. The man said, the woman that you gave me, she gave me the fruit of the tree. And I, then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And so the Lord cursed the serpent and he cursed the woman and he cursed the man and he kicked them out of the garden and he placed two cherubs there, which are not just little fat baby angels with bow and arrows. They are mighty warrior angels, two of them there with swords to keep them from returning to the garden. Why? Because they were now spiritually dead. And if they had been in the garden, they would have been able to eat from the tree of life. They would have lived forever with that fallen, sinful nature, and they would have passed it on forever. Well, they did pass it on for a while, and they're still passing it on to everyone born, unfortunately, until they come to know the Lord Jesus Christ and get that spirit redeemed and renewed and sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So this one seemingly insignificant act of disobedience spoiled everything, didn't it? Caused the corruption of all mankind. It shattered this beautiful mosaic of God's relationship and creation with mankind. And now, and then Eve suffered. I guess that's why I think of Eve to, on Mother's Day, because she suffered, and, and I see a lot of suffering. Uh, I know that men suffer, obviously we suffer, but women tend to show it more because of the way that they're made, and they're more emotional beings, you know, not in a bad way, but... I see that, and I see when they lose their mothers, how they cling, and they speak to them, and they long for them. And unfortunately, some religions teach them to talk to other saints who have passed on, so they talk to them too, you see. And Not that there's anything wrong with that, you're not going to go to hell for that, but it's not a good thing really to... pray to a person or to speak to them. Jesus wants us to talk to him. And I just want to share with you that if somebody is gone and they're in the presence of the Lord, why would you want to drag them back into this nonsense? Talk to the Lord. There's one mediator between God and man. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes I do though. When I miss mama a lot, I said, Lord, just tell her I love her again. He says, I love her. I love her. She knows. <laughs> but he she suffered you know they had to go out and toil and work and work the ground and it was cursed she saw the murder of one son from another that's that's bad I'm glad the Bible doesn't share anything about the death of Eve you know 
But we know they did pass on several hundred years later. I, I was convinced that uh, they lived so long because no one told them they were supposed to get sick and die. <laughs> like every commercial we get. These days. <laughs> oh, did you hear that? Let me Google that. Oh, I think I, I, think I got that. My goodness. The point of me talking about Eve and her suffering is because, and what caused it is that when the enemy was able to deceive her into doubting God's love, God's provision, God's goodness, God didn't want them eating of that tree because he just wanted them to know the good things. He didn't want them to know about evil. He wanted them innocent in that regard, and that's how he would really like us to be now. But ever since then, people have been questioning God's goodness, God's love, God's provision. Same as Eve did. But in John 10.10, which uh, I use this scripture a lot, but I, I do it because I want you to have it in in your heart and in your mind. They were accusing Jesus wrongly, as they often did, and of having a demon. And he says no. In John 10, 10, he says the thief, talking about the devil, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I come that they may have life, talking about you and me, and have it abundantly. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus is good. The devil is bad. It's that simple. If anyone tries to complicate it beyond that, it's really not necessary. There's some complicated things in here. But you need to look through it through the new covenant lenses of grace and truth and love and peace and salvation and forgiveness and all the good things he's provided through the atonement. Amen? Amen. Worry and fear are really counterproductive. And honestly, they're sinful. <laughs> Not getting on to anybody. We all worry to some degree. And we're all fearful to some degree. Even though we don't want to admit it. And we shouldn't really glorify the devil by talking about his victories in our lives. <laughs> If we do mention it, we shouldn't stop short of saying, but God, yeah, and talking about the promise that we're standing on and believing for, amen, because yeah. the devil is a liar and a loser, mm-hmm. and we win in the end. That worry, though, it's, it's like a rocking chair, I say, give you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. Mm-hmm. It doesn't change the past, it just robs you of the present and the future. There's a saying I heard just yesterday. <laughs> you don't drown by falling into the river. You drown by staying submerged in it. You say, okay, that's a good saying and I get it. But how do I, how do I get above water? Help me. Because <laughs> people that are drowning usually didn't mean to get there. 
And they don't need you to tell them, you know, hey, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have gotten that river, you know. You shouldn't have jumped in the deep end, you know. No, right now they just need a lifeline. So how do you get up above the water? You know, sometimes it's just as simple as standing up. <laughs> it's really not as deep as you might think. Stand up. That, that devil has a way of making a mountain out of a molehill. But God has given you a, a like precious faith with his that moves mountains. And when you magnify the Lord, it diminishes the size of those mountains, you see. That's faith. Sometimes you can just swim. You have to swim. It takes effort. But if you're able, you can swim and get yourself out of that. With God's help. And other times you just have to shoot up. Unfortunately, this is that, that worst situation. Because in order to spring up, you have to have bottom. So you have to hit the bottom sometimes. And that's for the hard heads. <laughs> and even then, it doesn't always work. Otherwise, we wouldn't have the rate of recidivism that we do. Amen. Need more Christian dorms in the prison. Rate of recidivism is very low in those. Galatians chapter five and verse six. Just letting this sink in a little bit because I'm about to make some headway here. Galatians. Right before Ephesians and Philippians, if I can find any of those. There we go. Galatians 5, verse 6. Paul says all that matters now, basically, I can't find it, is faith working through love. Amen? Amen. If you're reading, the, if you found it and you're reading it ahead of me, don't worry about it. He's not telling you not to get circumcised. He's talking about those who follow after the law to try to earn their salvation or earn relationship or favor with God. But he's telling you that all that matters now is faith working through love. So how do I get out of the river? How do I get above water? How do I get past the hurt, the shame, the bitterness, the anger, the sickness, the poverty? How do I help me? How do I? And God says, it requires faith, and faith worketh by love. Oversimplification, no, that is it. Is it easy? No, but it is simple. Faith is what's required in the promises of God, in the finished work of Jesus Christ, and it only works by love. And first we need to focus on his love for us. Amen. I've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And some of you um, are someone hearing somewhere is thinking, I, I love everybody. I, I already love 
and I'm still in a, such a bind. Well, it may not be the kind of love that you're familiar with. Because in the natural, you really won't be. And I'm going to explain a little bit about that because I've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit, which is laid out in Galatians 5 as well. I'll just remind you, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the fruit or the character of God in you. And when he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, he's saying, work out that which is already within. Amen. It's in there. But to get it out into this soulish realm, this mind and will and emotions and the physical, where you can experience it, you can detect it, but you can't, the spirit, you have to agree. You have to speak it. You have to believe it. Draw it out. Use faith as the, the hand that reaches out and grabs hold. It takes hold of the things provided to the atonement of Jesus Christ. Amen. Look in John chapter 13. John chapter 13. And verses 34 and 35. Please. Jesus speaking, he says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples, if you have love one for another. He's talking about Christians. He's talking about loving Christians. The first thing we need to take from that is that it's a commandment. It's not an option for the Christian. He says a new command I give you, right? So we're either walking in this love that he's talking about or it's really disobedience. There's, there's no other way to look at it. It's a two-sided coin. The next thing is that it's a new commandment. And when Jesus speaks, remember those E.F. Hutton commercials? <laughs> we need to listen because he, this is what he came for. Everything in this new church age, this age of grace and truth that he brought supersedes everything prior. You notice that Moses was, God gave through Moses ten commandments. And in Judaism, there's 613 laws or commands. And Jesus said, I, I, I'm giving you one new one. And this one supersedes or encompasses all the others. What they were trying to achieve. All inclusive in this one command. So love is the real test of a Christian disciple. Interestingly enough, the Lord Jesus right there gave the world the right to judge the church. If the world sees Christians not loving each other, then they have the right to say, you are not his disciple. I, 
I, and this is a big problem in the world. You know, Gandhi, you ever heard of Gandhi? How many people do you think he influenced? <clears throat> I mean, it's safe to say millions and maybe billions. Still is affecting them. You know what his testimony was? He was, in, he was locked up in prison, I think, in Africa for a time for his insurrections or whatever political crimes they put on him. And he read the Bible. He had access to a Bible and he read it and he believed it. And he liked it. He liked what he read about Jesus and he went to a church when he was released from prison. It was a denominational missionary type church that was set up over there. And you know, he wasn't allowed in. And so from then on, his testimony was, I would have been a Christian, but then I met one. <clears throat> Don't let that be your test about the testimony about you. Amen? Amen? Think of how many he... Now, he'll still have to answer. There nobody stand before the Lord innocent. If he read it and he believed it, he shouldn't have let one, one person, one hypocrite drive him away from it, you see? If he read it and believed it and understood it, he would have understood that the enemy, there may be as many of his team and churches as there are God's team, you see. That's why this word supersedes everything else that we hear. Everything else that I say to you should be filtered through this word. Even in prophecy, which I haven't gotten to the vocal gifts yet, but I will not today. <laughs> but it says one prophesy and the other's judge, you see. Because this word supersedes everything. And Jesus said, one command, a new one I, I leave with you, to love each other. Romans chapter 13, verses 8 through 10. back up a little bit it says you shall love your neighbor as yourself love does no wrong to a neighbor therefore love is the fulfilling of the law besides this you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake up from sleep for salvation is nearer to us than when you first believed but the point I was trying to make is I really started too far down. Go back to verse 8. Paul says, Oh, no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. You see that? For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this one word. What's the one word? Love. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, because love does no wrong. In other words, <clears throat> to your neighbor. In other words, if you can, you can go down the list of ten. Forget the six hundred and thirteen, because the Jews just kept piling them on. And I mean, if a lizard dropped into your pot, you had to go. You were unclean. I mean, come on. <laughs> but, but the ten, 
You could go down one by one and say, now, if I'm really acting in love toward my neighbor, would I break this? No, you would not. Or the ones pertaining to your relationship with God, would I be doing this if I'm really in love? Yes, you would. You see? So it's the fulfillment. It encompasses them and goes beyond. Jesus said, Jesus said, you know the commandments. Don't, don't, don't kill your brother. And they're all like, oh, all right. Well, I haven't did that. He, well, if you ever got mad enough to kill somebody, you've committed murder. What? <laughs> he said, don't commit adultery. They said, oh, never done that either. Well, you ever thought about it? You ever lusted in your eye and you're, you know, then you've done it. What? Oh, God, who can be saved? That's what they asked him. That's what we would all ask him. He said, well, with man it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. I have that right in my kitchen. I have it right by the stove, so when I'm cooking, <laughs> i figure this out. Probably tastes all right. And also says, never let your memories be bigger than your dreams. That's a good point. Amen? The law is fulfilled in that one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. In First Timothy, talking to ministers and anyone who... Well, everyone has a ministry as far as I'm concerned, if you belong to the Lord. But First Timothy, the first chapter, verses 5 and 6... The aim of our charge, Paul is telling Timothy, the aim of our charge or ministry is love. The goal of our ministry, the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussion. You see, it's... The standard of, of, of good ministry, of all ministry, that we are proclaiming the good news, the love of God, and that we're producing people who love one another. That's why I'm so excited. You, you look around and you say, How, can you be so excited about this? Is this is so few of us. But... There's something very special here. I've been doing this for 12 years now. And I've, I've been in places where it was claimed. And I've been in places where it was observed very much. Unless this opposed them. And then they chose whatever, you know. But this at this time in my ministry, I see... This, more, this, this love, this production of God's children loving each other, and that's a great core. You see, Jesus with 12, then 11, then 12 again, turned the world right side up in just a few years, you see. So be encouraged. I am. Love one another. You see, people can get, you know, you can, I, could, I could go out here, if, I, if someone gave me a, a grant or a, a gift of millions of dollars, I could go and build a place so fabulous. 
And I could hire the greatest Christian entertainers, you know, in the world. If I had enough money. And create the greatest children's departments and all these things. And see, it's not, with, with, with the right setting, it's not hard to get people to attend church. And to say amen and to sing songs and even to give. But really, if you're not producing people that love one another, all of that religious effort is just really worthless. Luke 6.32 If you love those who love you, what benefit is it is that to you? This is Jesus talking. For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount or more. <laughs> But love your enemies and do good and land, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High God, for He is kind to the ungrateful and evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Before I knew the Lord, I ran in circles and with people who, who were a picture of this. They loved each other. They would do anything for a brother or something, you know. It just depends on which life you're talking about that I lived. But different settings, they were always the same. They would do anything for theirs. But anybody that opposed them or were outsiders, watch out. You see? But that's not what Jesus said. That's The world does that. What's supernatural about that? You're supernatural being now. Where's the example of that? I had a... My wife was sitting next to me. It was the day before yesterday. Uh, and I was setting appointments. And I, I got a hold of a lady and... Uh, well, I called her and left her a message. Saying that I'd received a message to call her. She had asked me for... To come and look at this project for her. I left her a message. She called me back. And I missed her call. I saw it. But she didn't leave a message. But I saw it. And it had been recently enough. I knew who it was. I called her right back. And I said, I missed your call. She said, well, your message scared me off. She called my cell phone. And on my cell phone, any of you have called me, you're going to find out about the love of Jesus. <laughs> I made a conscious choice to do that years ago. And it's something that I have suffered some for. I don't do it to get people to show me favor. Because I know just as many that might, won't. And that I'll be judged by a higher standard. But I, that, that's my first job, you see. What I do is not who I am. This is who I am. And so I made that choice long ago. And, and matter of fact, if I go and meet someone... On my job, they're going to find out about this. 
It's not because I'm trying to get undue favor. It's because God puts me in the path of people who need to hear or want to hear or they're looking for something. And I always say I do more ministry at work than I do in the church. Not to undermine either. But that's just something that... But this woman said, yeah, well, I've never had too much luck. And I had it on speaker. She goes, I never had too much luck with people that bless you and all this nonsense. I, I didn't appreciate it. It offended me. And uh, and I just don't like... I said, ma'am, I, I apologize if it offended you. I said, you called on my personal cell phone. If you would have called the office, you know, it would have been different. But I, I called from my cell phone. That's the number you called me back on. And... I'm a pastor, and I, I, I just I feel compelled to tell everybody about the love of God. I don't want to hear about it. I want to talk about all that. I said, yes, ma'am. I, nevertheless, then we moved on, and she told me what a little bit about what she had. And, and, and I mean, everything in your flesh tells you to, to you know, end that, end that relationship right then. And 12 years ago, I would have, and it would have been, it would have been fun, funny, but it wouldn't be funny to me now because there's this, I'm a supernatural being and here's where the rubber meets the road. You see, this is where, where Jesus said to pick up your cross. If anyone to be my disciple has to follow me, pick up your cross daily. This is bearing your cross. If it would have been something unrelated to the Lord and I did it, I would be more forgiven than if right then and right there, God was calling on me to show Christ. And you know, she told me what she had and, and I said, I can, anyway, I dazzled her with my <laughs> prowess and wisdom and everything that God has given me in my line of work and within five minutes I quoted her that job right there on the spot I didn't have to go look at it and I explained to her the ins and outs and the options and this and that and she was blessed and thankful and very nice and I saw her email and it was a uh, it was a um, it was somewhere from the scholarly teaching end of things science and all that and and you see then I told my wife I said look what we're sending our children off to God bless her and I wrote even wrote a prayer on her thing and I put a heart around it and I think they're probably going to do the work with me but that, that's just an example I don't know why I shared it but that's that's that the The point is that so many people are like that. And we're all maybe still a little like that to some degree. And this is where I'm going to end. But it's all culminating to this information that I'm trying to share with you about the fruit of love. Because the fruit of the Spirit, love is primary to all the fruit and character of God. All the fruit of the Spirit. Everything else. And even our faith worketh by love. So we need to understand Love, and we understand the love that God is talking about, otherwise we don't know anything. So if we only love is for our own families, our own friends, our own children, 
that supersedes everything, our own political uh, affiliation, our own scholastic affiliation, collegiate, whatever. You see, people, I'm a this, I'm a that, I'm a that. These are my friends and those are the ones that I support and will do anything for. Everybody else can go screw themselves if they don't like me or do things the way that I want. Forgive my French, which it was. I'm trying to make a point. You know what I'm saying. And I know too many Christians that are just like that. I put this group, whether it's any of those things I listed, your family, your, your friends, your children even, your school, your job, your associations. If you put all that above Christians in this world, then something is wrong. And you not understanding the love of God. Here's part of the problem. We don't know what love is. When I do wedding ceremonies, I, I include that in there. Most of what the world calls love is not truly love. It's really just lust. The kind of love that says, I love you for what you can do for me. And that's not really love. And it's never going to make the trip. <laughs> in the Greek... In the New Testament, there are four words, four different words for love. And they're all four different meanings, four different kinds of love. And that's something we need to understand. I'm going to give you four things, and I'm going to give you four more things. And if you're writing them down, or you go back and listen later, these are the four things you need to meditate on this week. If you really want to understand, and in your prayer time, ask God about it and say, Am I, where am I at? He'll show you. Where am I at on this? And I, I mean, I know I'm not there. But thankfully, Paul said he wasn't there yet either, Lord, but he was heading that direction. And that's why, I, you know, I'm not there, but I've left the dock, you know. <laughs> I've got the boat moving. So now, if you help me to turn the wheel, you can adjust my course. If I'm anchored to the dock, I can turn the wheel all day long and it's not going to help me at all. But now that I'm moving your direction, Lord, just help me make the course corrections and I'm going to get there to you. With your help, Holy Spirit, you're going to take me all the way through this life to my destination with my heavenly bridegroom, Jesus Christ. Amen. The first kind of love which everybody knows about is Eros. E-R-R-O-S. And this is a sexual love. Undoubtedly, everyone familiar with a desire, but it's, it has to do with sexuality. The next one is storge, S-T-O-R-G-E, which is an affectionate love primarily for family. And I think these first two is where people are really dominated by <laughs> that one or the other or both. And if that's your primary motivation, you're not walking in love. In a worldly sense you are, and in a definition of those types of love, the eros or storge, you may have it down, but there's nothing in God's eyes, you see? The other, the third one is, is philia, where they get the word Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, which is sometimes known as, but it's really, philia means friendship. 
And we're all familiar with that one. Hopefully. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with these three in their proper place, you see. But if that's all you operate in, you haven't met up to God's standards. Because the fourth one is agape. And that is God's kind of love. It's pure and enduring love. And that's the love which is listed first in the fruit of the Spirit. It's primary to all the other characteristics of God and to your faith and to the gifts of God and everything else operating in your life, whether supernaturally or anything else, because of your Christian life, is supposed to be based and fundamentally based on this agape love. And you say, well, that's hard. Yeah. It's not hard. It's impossible in your own strength. Because here's the other four things. You say, how? How? Okay. I get it. And I believe you. Do you believe? Do you you get it? And do you believe? What I've said is true. So far, I've based it on scripture and, and you're hearing me. And so you know it's true. And you say, okay, but... I guess I'm just, <laughs> I guess I'm just not, I'm out of favor with God. I don't know. So again, like I said, God told me a long time ago, don't ever tell them about their bad condition and leave them there. So let's get up above the water, okay? Let's let the Holy Spirit help us to either stand up or swim or spring up from the bottom wherever we're at. And everybody's in a different place. But first, in order to operate or to So the fruit has to be cultivated. Remember I told you, it has to be cultivated and developed. It doesn't come all at once. It's like a muscle. It has to be worked out from the spirit, which is already full-blown and full-grown. But in your soul, it's not. In your mind, in your will, in your emotions, in your personality, it is not full-blown and full-grown. Just because you've come to know the Lord, which is the first thing that you have to do if you want to cultivate this fruit. I'm not yelling at you, am I? I'm I'm not yelling at you. I'm just excited. As excited as I get, and I get a little louder. The first thing that the requirement is that you have to be born again. Raise your hand if you're born again. You've all received. Hey, look at there. 25% there. Just because you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And I know that all of you have. And that's a good thing. And it all comes from the seed of God's word, you see. That's how you get born again. Received into a believer's heart. And I'm going to just use a scripture I've written down for each one of these to show. To show that it's scriptural. But if you look at 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter, almost to the back, past Hebrews, James, and then Peter. 1 Peter, chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, and I'm, I'm, I'm about done right here. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have born, been born again, Not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. You see that? 
So we all born again when we believe on Jesus, we receive the word of God, which contains the faith that we need to believe. And John, like he told Nick, I mean, Peter, I mean, Jesus told Nicodemus when he came to him at night for fear of the other religious leaders in John 3, 3, he said, I tell you the truth, Nicodemus, lest a man be born again, he will not see the kingdom of God. He cannot. So first things first, you have to be born again. First John four verses seven and eight. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation or the payment for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Amen. So if we're not exercising this agape or God's kind of love one for another, then we have no real scriptural basis to claim that we're his disciples. Okay, so it should give us a goal. Amen. (laughs) It's just me. And then the second thing is once we're saved or born again, then we come become a vessel that is suitable for the Holy Spirit to take up residence in, you see? And then he can pour out his love into this new vessel, this, this clean vessel. And don't think of your vessel as your soulish realm. See, I know so many people. I, I know someone that I care about very much uh, right now, well, maybe a bunch, that are waiting to come to God. I, I had one tell me recently, Will, I... You know, I, I, I want to come to your church, but I'm afraid that I'll embarrass you. I said, man, you just don't understand anything yet. I want to say, you know nothing, John Snow. <laughs> but, but the point is, you don't get cleaned up to take a bath. Right. right. Amen. Amen. Just come as you are, without one plea, right? The ground is level at the foot of the cross. You're going to feel loved here and welcome here. I don't care. I want all kinds. I don't care. who. Give me a bunch of good old-fashioned sinners, and we'll let Jesus do the cleaning. Because he's going to get the truth of, of, of the Word of God, and it's going to... Go into that clean vessel, and it's going to begin to do the work. Romans 5 5 talks about that. I'm just trying to give you a scripture for all these, so that, and then I'm, I'm, I'm about done. Romans 5 5. Is this good? Yeah. Okay. Acts, then Romans 5 5. Romans 5 5 says, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see that? So there, the love of God through the Holy Spirit 
can be poured into this new redeemed, saved vessel, which is appropriate for God to take up residence. So the Holy Spirit pours His love into our hearts, which is the garden, the garden of our souls. Amen. Amen. The third thing is, it's an act of free will. That was the Holy Spirit's part. Now here comes your part. Remember, it's a relationship. It's an act of our free will. It's just something unlike the other loves that we are so familiar with. When we say we love this person or fell out of love, you don't fall out of love. Not God's kind of love. Because you don't fall into it. It's a choice. It's an act of our free will. God gave us free will, even knowing that it was going to be very painful for Him to watch. Because we don't always choose Him. But He wanted a family that would choose Him for Him. Amen. Amen. And so it's not governed by our physical or emotional realm. You know? Everything else, it says all about our emotions or our feelings. You know, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. The same things that got Eve get us. And then those are the same things that we draw upon to find out, let me see if I love this person based on how I feel or how they make me feel. And that's not the kind of love that we're after. It's not something that's dependent on our physical Being or our emotional being. Amen? It's not centered on that. It's centered on our free will. So love, of the love of God is a choice. This helped me so much when God taught me this because I had to go to Him and say, Lord, I have to quit because I don't love your people. (laughs) And your Bible says that if, if, (laughs) if I say I love you and I can't see you and I don't love my brethren which I can see, then I'm a liar. And so I'm a liar, I'm a big fat liar, and i got to quit. <laughs> and he began to show me that I did love his people. Amen. <laughs> the last thing is that it is expressed in action. Okay? Faith worketh. By love. Worketh by love. Faith without works is dead. And and faith works by love. You see? So there's an action part to this. And here's where it really gets serious. What was the action that Jesus... What was the example that Jesus used of the action laying down our lives? for one another. John 15, back where we were a while ago, and I'll just read it to you. Verses 12. This is my commandment, Jesus said, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. And what do you command? Just one. Love. Love the brethren. Love Christians. Love each other. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should abide, 
so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. It's a commandment. It's not a request. It's not an option for the believer. So you say, well, wait a minute. So I have to be martyred in order to meet the criteria? I have to be crucified on a cross? Or worse yet, Peter thought he wasn't good enough to be crucified in the same manner that his Savior was. So he told them to do He was crucified upside down. The history tells us this, not the Bible, alongside his wife. Do I have to do that? (laughs) No, you don't have to do that. Offering up your life, laying down your life for other Christians. It's just giving of yourself, of everything that you have. Your time, your talent, your abilities. Your money. Everything that you are. Everything that God has given you to be the caretaker of. You're just a steward even of your good looks and your abilities and your strength and talents and brilliance. All that God gave you. He is the one. He said, don't forget me when you get into this land of milk and honey and you prosper and do all these things. Because I'm the one that gave you the power to obtain wealth. So if you want to know how to lay down your life for other believers, just learn how to serve. You know? Amen. That's, that's it. Offering your talents and abilities, your time, your resources to other believers in the church. Because the primary fruit of all the other nine, nine gifts, nine characteristics of fruit, primary to all that is love. So if we don't understand this, we're not going to get anything else. So my challenge to every one of us is to allow the love of Christ to flow through us. And you know what? He wants to help you with this. It's not something you can do in your own strength. But just grow in it. Grow in just like we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We also grow in love, is is what the Bible says. And we have to choose to put on the character of God. Something, it's a daily choice, just like this is daily bread. Amen? All right. You blessed today? Yes. You know He loves you? Amen. And He just, He's not asking you to do anything that, actually He wants to do it through you. Just be a willing vessel. Just yield. Learn to work this love out from a position of rest in His finished work and His love for you. Overflow. Amen. (laughs) Happy Mother's Day. Father, thank You for this beautiful day and for Your precious Word and for Your love. We thank You for helping us to walk in the agape love, Your kind of love. That we love one another and that it... Don't worry about our feelings. Let them fall into place as we just do what we are called to do out of faith in you, out of trust in you, out of love for you because of the love that you have shown for us. This is our prayer for everyone. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.